Hello everyone, and welcome to the Flexin Podcast. More specifically, welcome to the first episode of the Flexin Podcast with me, Xenoflex. Uh, yeah, episode one, it's here. Spent so much time working on getting an episode out. I think I had the idea of like starting off this year, first week of January with episodes, but work and life just kept on delaying the process and... It kept on getting pushed back until today, so yeah, I, I'm glad that I've gotten here so far. So before I get into like the real meat of the podcast, I just want to start off by saying thank you to everyone who's joining me on this fun and scary journey into my first solo podcast, which reminds me a lot of when I first started live streaming two or three years ago. Back then, I kept on trying different things, internet connection, hardware issues, da, 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 da. there were so many things. And one day it just started working. And then I had to get over like, self-consciousness, pressure, being on camera. And to be honest, I'm still not 100% over it, but it's worked out so far. So now I've just decided I'm just going to start and run with it. Um, and yeah, let's do it. So the idea of this podcast actually came about when me and my friends were doing the Meaty Message podcast, which is another great podcast series that you should definitely check out. No bias here. But <laughs> moving on, as I was saying, while I enjoyed doing the Meaty Message podcast, I realized that I wanted to start my own one so that I could have my own space, my own creative output of where I can just talk about different topics and different things that interest me. Stuff that I wouldn't be able to do on the Meaty Message podcast with the rest of the guys there. Um, I wanted to do this myself and now I'm here doing the Flexin podcast. It's going to cover a lot of different topics, mainly gaming and esports ones, but probably going to throw in a little football, a little music. We'll just have a little fun with it to try and be as light as breezy as possible and just take it from there. <laughs> so, now that we've gotten all the mushy stuff out of the way, let's jump right into it. So, want to start off with talking about a couple of new game releases that are coming out over the next few months. And the first one I want to start with is one that I'm absolutely excited for. It's uh, Coffee Talk Episode 2. Hibiscus and Butterfly, which is coming out on April 20th on all platforms. This is fantastic. I absolutely love the first Coffee Talk. It was it was a very nice chill game. Uh, great music. One of the best soundtracks that I've heard on a game for quite some time. And simple, chill, coffee-making mechanic. Um, you got to build relationships with all your customers. And it had a good story as well. It had a very interesting story, which I'm really excited to see what they continue to do in uh, episode two. And yeah, we finally got a release date. I think this game was supposed to come out last year and got pushed back into 2023. But hey, just a couple more, I was going to say a couple more weeks, but <laughs> a couple more months and we'll finally be able to continue the story of the mysterious barista in Coffee Talk episode two. Uh, yeah, <laughs> really excited for that one. Moving on from that, let's talk about Returnal. So the PC version of Returnal 
is coming out on February 15th. Steam and Epic. And I got to say, this one is pretty interesting. Um, This is one of those PS5 exclusives, which is now available on PC coming from Sony. And we've seen Sony start pushing out more PC versions of the ga- of their games. I think the last couple were the two Spider-Man games. So we had Spider-Man Remastered, I think, and Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is another PS5 exclusive, I believe, which quickly made it over to PC. And it's good to see that Sony is really embracing the PC platform as an area which they need to compete with Microsoft in. And hey, it ends up benefiting all of us PC players. So I think we can enjoy that one. Uh, Returnal is not a game I know too much about. I know it's a roguelike and that's about it. I've also heard it's very, very long and you can't really save a lot of your progress between runs, which to be fair is a core mechanic, but it can also be a bit grating if you've been spending like, I don't know, maybe two, three hours on a run and you just have to go and do something else, and then you lose all your progress just because you had to shut the game off. Doesn't sound too great, but, you know, I'm I'm still curious to give it a try when it comes out on PC in February. Um, there's a lot of games that I need to finish before that, but if I have time, I'll give Returnal a try. And, uh, yeah, so that game's coming up as well in February. And next, we're going to talk about a game which is actually already out. Um, When I was scripting this episode, I scripted it a couple of days ago, and by then it hadn't released yet. But here we are now, and the game is GoldenEye. So GoldenEye is now out on the Xbox Series, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Um, It's also out on Game Pass, and I believe on Nintendo Switch you can get it through... Nintendo Switch Online on the N64. Now, something that's key to note about GoldenEye is that online multiplayer is finally available in the GoldenEye series, and you can all, but you can only play it on the Nintendo version. I think it's a Nintendo exclusive, the online multiplayer side, whereas the Xbox versions will only have split screen. Uh, interesting choice. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know how Nintendo got that exclusive feature or why they got that exclusive feature but it'll be interesting to see i know a lot of old fans of this game are really really excited and looking forward to uh what goldeneye looks like on modern consoles and i think we've been seeing we're going to be seeing a lot of different images and videos over the next couple of weeks and to be honest even myself i'm really keen to try it out i don't have n64 (laughs) so i was kind of hoping I can play it on Game Pass when I uh, get my when I get back and can play on my Xbox Series, but I'm just gonna have to wait until then. It's still not enough to convince me to get Nintendo 64 <laughs> on uh, Nintendo Switch Online. But hey, you know, if it ends up being good, and I think, wow, imagine what this would be like with online multiplayer. That being said, I don't think it has like matchmaking. I think it'll allow you to play with your friends. So, maybe it's not something worth waiting for. <laughs> anyway, yeah. GoldenEye out on Xbox and Nintendo Switch. Enjoy <laughs> if you're interested. Finally, let's... Well, not finally. Next up. This one is a bit of an interesting one. 
it's been the subject of discussion for the past few days and it's also a very weird situation so there's a game called the day before which when it was announced reminded me a lot of the division um i used to play the division a lot and division 2 not as much but i i still <laughs> enjoyed playing it and when i first saw the day before i was like wow this looks just like the division it reminds me a lot of the division and yeah so it it looked amazing especially when it came from like a publisher and a developer which wasn't really known for games like that like if ubisoft had released this uh, this trailer for the day before we would have been like yeah okay it's just your average ubisoft game but coming from this developer it's something people just didn't expect and something people were really excited for um i believe the game initially was announced in january 2021 yep jan 2021 to be released in 2022 but then as it happens with game releases over the last couple of years the game ended up being pushed back to march 1st 2023 and a few days ago the developer released a statement saying that for some reason the game's copyright no sorry the game's trademark is unavailable now in the united states at least according to the developer and also at the same time the steam page for the game which at the time was one of the most wishlisted games on steam behind hogwarts legacy if i'm not wrong and yeah this most wishlisted game was just pulled off and apparently it's because of this uh it's because of this trademark issues even in their statement they said steam blocked our page at the request of a private individual <laughs> i and um this has caused them also to delay a uh, release of gameplay which has also been a bit of a point of contention since the game's release we only saw some initial in-engine footage back in january 21 and we haven't seen anything since then and they were supposed to be releasing some footage this month but for some reason due to this trademark issue according to them they've had to push that back as well so now the game has a release date of november 10th 2023 when the news came out about this people were not happy understandably no one likes a game delay even though we've gone through hundreds of them <laughs> over the past year but also people brought up a point saying that maybe this game doesn't exist and i think it's not unreasonable to believe that i think it's fair to say that by now we should have seen more gameplay you know with the way games are being revealed and released in the current age usually there's a leak some screenshots some footage you know you don't have nothing you have something to go off of and it can't just be your initial launch footage so people were understandably concerned a lot of people were calling this a scam which for me was a bit too far because keep in mind this game was yes it was on steam but you couldn't pre-order it if i'm not wrong this is also supposed to be a free to play game not 100% certain on that but i think at the time it was supposed to be released as a free to play game 
Uh, so people are calling it a scam. Again, don't really agree because if we had to pre-order the game or that was open, reasonable, completely understand. They're taking your money, running away with it, not going to release a game, fair enough. Not having any pre-order, does that really a scam? If anything, they're just wasting your time. <laughs> Which, I mean, fair enough. And to be fair, this delay hurts them a lot more than it hurts the players. Because by November 10th, there's going to be a lot of games that are coming out this year. We have like some crazy game releases for the rest of the year. And if they keep on delaying this game, eventually it's going to get to a point where the player base that they used to have is just not going to be really interested in it. You know, they're just going to move on and play other games. So after all this news came out about the trademark issue, the developer then added another statement saying that they were planning to delay the game release anyway to November 10th. How convenient, right? So it, I think what ended up ultimately happening is they tried to garner some sympathy and support for the trademark issue. People saw through that completely, so they had to backtrack and say, oh, we were going to delay it anyway. They should have just said that they needed to delay the game. I think people would have taken more to that than anything else. And uh, who knows, come November 10th, hopefully we'll get some more gameplay footage. Hopefully we'll get to see more of this game in action. I don't know, it's just gone to a very weird stage in its life cycle. I just hope if this game does end up releasing in the state it is, that it isn't forgotten because it looked good. I feel like it definitely would deserve its moment in the spotlight, if not for these weird issues from the developer and publisher. I guess we'll see in a few months. But moving on from that, let's talk about something more positive. Um, the Xbox Developer Direct happened a few days ago. And we got a lot of news about five different games, I believe. Five different releases from Xbox Game Studios for this year. And uh, started off the show with Minecraft Legends, which is launching on April 18th. The footage they showed was pretty good. They showed a lot of PvP and uh, how you command your units against uh, alongside your friends. I believe it also has online matchmaking in it as well, so you can take on all sorts of online competitors it uh, it looks really nice i gotta say it's a game which i'm not 100 percent on board on like i was with dungeons but it still looks exciting i like this concept of adding on like minecraft to different game types you know when dungeons came out and like it's oh diablo but with minecraft i thought that was really interesting it's kind of like a lego game right when you see lego with another franchise you think wow that's pretty cool that you know we're doing a lego version of this game and hopefully minecraft i don't think minecraft's ever going to go down the oh minecraft marvel superheroes route but to get games like this it's fun and it's interesting and yeah we got a release date for that now the game's coming out on april 18th one interesting thing to note though is although in the developer direct they said that the game will be out on PC, Xbox Series, Xbox One on the 18th. It's coming to all platforms, which is actually something I didn't know. I thought this was a Microsoft exclusive for some reason, probably because in the marketing, um, Xbox conveniently left out PlayStation and Switch. But yeah, it's coming to all platforms as with all the other Minecraft games. So fair enough. 
uh, yeah, so that's Minecraft Legends. And after that, we got a look at Forza Motorsport. Which looks very good. I mean, the developers talked a lot about tech. They talked a lot about audio, fidelity, immersion, realism, all these powerful words that they use to describe the game. And uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a car game that looks very good. Kind of like Gran Turismo, but you know, it's it looks good. It looks good. Um, we got a very deep look at that. The game is going to have... 500 cars at launch this uh, you're able to customize your car put on all sorts of different additions liveries and um they also showed a a few new tracks i think there's five new tracks that they're adding to the game i personally haven't played any of the forza motorsport games my forza game has always been horizon so this is going to be a new one to me but it looks really good and something worth playing i don't know i don't know how whether it's gonna like live up to the gran turismo which is also a game which i haven't played for quite some time uh whether it lives up to that reputation but it'll be interesting to see what xbox can do to compete with that one we didn't get a release date for that game but it's supposed to be out sometime between uh this year so we can look forward to that one next we got a very exciting announcement. Um, I think this was probably the best reveal in the entire show. And it was a shadow drop from Tango Gameworks, the creators of The Evil Within and Ghostwire Tokyo, for a new rhythm action game called Hi-Fi Rush, which I actually started playing. It's a shadow drop. It's on Game Pass. Worked out well for me. It's a game where... The entire world moves to the beat. I'm just reading <laughs> their description of it. But it's really cool. It's very stylistic. The music that they've included is very fitting to the scenario. Even the characters are, like, interesting. I've only played about an hour, so <laughs> don't judge too much. But as far as I can tell, people really, people really seem to enjoy it. And it's a crazy game to come from a studio like Tango, who has been doing... <laughs> crazy horror games for the past couple of years it's uh, definitely worth a try especially if you have game pass and it's it's worth a look at <laughs> sorry i was just watching a video of the gameplay over there it reminds me a lot of and i think some people were saying this the concept or the idea kind of reminds me a bit of sunset overdrive which again is also a game which i did not play a lot of but I think it's just the idea of the world. You're going up against a big corporation, which I think was Sunset Overdrive's um, type beat as well. So it's a good game. Give it a try. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. We got a small trailer about a new Elder Scrolls Online expansion. Not going to go too much into that. I don't really play the game, but if I had to guess, you have a new class, you got a new area to explore. I'm sure the scroll fan online fans will enjoy. Just never a game that suited me. <laughs> the last announcement we got at the developer direct was about Redfall. Now Redfall was delayed, if I'm not wrong. It was supposed to release last year, actually before Starfield, which was also delayed and also didn't make an appearance at this developer direct, if I'm not wrong. Bethesda said that Starfield will have its own event. 
sometime in February and March, where it'll be just focused around uh, Starfield. But we did get Redfall. It's got a release date of May 2nd, out on all the Xbox series platforms and PC. I didn't watch too much of this trailer, and I'm going to say why. Um, For one thing, games like this I try not to go too much into because I kind of want to be surprised by what they have to offer. It's a tactic which I don't do with a lot of games. I just pick a few and decide not to go too much into it because when these games have a lot to talk about, it can be overwhelming, it can get in your head a bit, and especially when... It, the game's going to be out in a couple of months or a couple of years. You don't want to overload yourself on the, that information. And then when you go into the game, have your expectations be at such a high level only to be brought down to earth again. <laughs> I think that's what helped me out with games like Cyberpunk, with Dying Light 2. Um, I didn't look into the game too much. And when I actually ended up playing the game... I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it a lot more than other people who knew everything about the game and had like built their expectations to like astronomical levels and then when they ultimately played it they didn't quite enjoy it. I just don't want that to happen to me. So I feel like the best way to go about it is then to just watch some reveal trailers, take it in, breathe it in. If it's something that appeals to you, that's great. Try it out when it releases. If not, just let it go. But until then, maybe not overload yourself too much on the information and set your expectations at a moderate level. So I'm not going to talk too much about what was actually shown because, to be honest, I don't know it myself. But the main thing to me was that we got a release date of May 2nd. And I'm looking forward to play it when it drops. Righto. That was the gaming news. Let's go into the esports topics that I want to talk about. My first topic is actually one which I'm not going to be talking about too much today. Uh, It was regarding Valorant's VCT lock-in, which is taking place on February 13th to March 4th. The reason why I don't want to go into this today is because there's still some time before this event starts. And I think I want to dedicate like a proper section of the podcast to talking about this event because it's actually really interesting. It's... um, going to really shape the rest of the year of Valorant of the VCT as we know it. It's a whole new format. It's a whole new type of tournament. There are so many teams playing from so many different regions. I think it's worth doing a much, much deeper dive into. And um, I think I'm going to do that a little bit more closer to the event. I also want to talk about my pickums, which I did recently. I want to just talk about like what I see for the VCT as a whole for this year. Um, as a non-Valorant analyst, and I think people are absolutely going to love hearing a guy who doesn't know a lot about the eSport talk about the eSport. So I'm going to say that for a future episode, and uh, get subscribed, stay tuned to hear about that one. But moving on, let's talk about the Overwatch World Cup. So, it's back. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't think the Overwatch World Cup would come back. I think with the state that Overwatch is in, the fact that the World Cup is back again is just nothing short of a miracle. I have a couple of reasons why I think it's back. Um, For one thing, I think ultimately Overwatch as an esport 
has not done too well and again i don't want to go too in depth on that i feel like i want to do an episode also on the overwatch league when that returns whenever it returns more on that later but i think the overwatch league has has its ups and downs which has contributed to overwatch's current state as an esport and i think the world cup has kind of been brought back in to to bring back some goodwill to the overwatch esports brand as a whole i think the world cup was one of the more engaging esports events that overwatch has ever had probably because of all the teams that were com- competing in it all the different countries and it's still exciting to watch um even though sri lanka is not taking part in it which is not something i'm too surprised about but you know it's this, this is how i feel about all these world cup events where my home country doesn't take part in so you'll have to forgive me for that one but let's let's just dive into the uh the announcement so they've announced all 36 countries which are taking part in the world cup uh they're going to be hosting trials and doing the selection committees over the next couple of weeks i believe each country needs to appoint in a manager a coach i probably mixing this up with valorant uh a manager a coach and probably someone who uh, a community manager a community manager yeah so these committees are the ones who are going to do the tryouts pick the team and uh bring them forward in the world cup now interesting point which i just read is that china will be getting a direct invite to the event and i think they're the only country which gets a direct invite this is going to play on more to the topic we have later but i think it's good that they decided to give china that invite especially since the chinese team has done very well in previous overwatch world cups um and also the team oh this is an interesting thing there won't be any world cup trials for china and they don't need to complete in the online qualifiers because they have the direct invite I wonder how they're going to pick the team. I wonder how they're going to practice. But let's just leave that for later on and go through uh these conference teams. So, we got the American Conference which uh how many teams go through? That's an interesting thing. So, we got in addition to the 36 selected countries and regions, the 2023 Overwatch World Cup will have a wild card challenge. which will award four additional spots for teams to compete in. Okay, so that's the wild card. How do they decide which countries get in? Um in June the teams will compete within their groups to earn one of the 16 spots at the LAN final scheduled to be held in the fall of 2023. I'm going to guess this is during BlizzCon again. I don't even know when this year's BlizzCon is, but it's probably sometime in the fall of 2023. Um I still don't know how they pick Oh okay okay here we go the breakdown is under the list of countries with the team from China competing uh securing one of the 16 spots advancing to groups this is the distribution of the remaining 15 spots that teams will compete for in the online qualifiers so America A gets 3 slots who's in America A okay so we got Canada Costa Rica Guatemala Mexico, Puerto Rico, and the United States. USA and Canada in the same conference is pretty interesting because I think those are two teams which regularly make the grand finals at the previous World Cups. Um 
or at least the semi-final stage. So that's interesting. So then we got EMEC. Don't know why it's EMEC, which also gets three slots. Uh, so that's Belgium, France, Great Britain, Italy, Netherlands, Spain. I don't know too much about European Overwatch, but if I remember correctly, I think Great Britain and France have pretty good, pretty good teams for that one. Uh, then we have APAC. APAC is the group I'm excited for. APAC A with three slots. That's uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Japan, Philippines, and South Korea. That's a tough group. That is a tough group. How did the Philippines... Okay, that's... Mm. <laughs> I feel like the Philippines has pretty tough competition here. South Korea is a given slot. I think Japan will also do very well. Um... Hong Kong and Taiwan, maybe I I don't know. That's that's a very that's a very stacked group. That's a very stacked group for APAC A. Then we move on to America B, which has two slots. So all the B team, all the B divisions have two slots, and all the A divisions have three slots. So in America B, we have Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru. I don't remember a lot about. <laughs> These teams, in terms of Overwatch, if I had to guess, probably Argentina and Brazil will go through. Maybe I'm just thinking of football, but yeah, I, I think those two are... It's reasonable to assume that they'll go through. For EMECB, we've got Germany, Norway, Poland, Saudi Arabia, Sweden, and Turkey. Um, Also, I'm not, I'm not too sure who's going to go through that one. I'm... Fingers crossed on Saudi because I have a friend who was on the former national committee, so maybe they'll make it through. I think I think Saudi has a decent Overwatch team, if I'm not wrong, or decent Overwatch players who can make it to the World Cup. And then in APAC B, we've got Australia, India, Malaysia, New Zealand, Singapore, and Thailand. Mm. Okay. <laughs> APAC B is is hitting a bit different for me. Um, I think Australia has a good chance to go through, depending on how... Given that they're a contenders region, it's not unreasonable to see Australia make it through APAC B. Uh, I'd like to believe Singapore can do it, and I, I think they can. I think Singapore also has, still has a good team and a good set of players who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these other teams. India also, Global Esports is probably going to get back on country committee duty and bring up a formidable Indian team. That being said, I don't know how well Overwatch 2 has been taken up in India. So you never know. Thailand also, now that they don't have Padipan competing, maybe it might be difficult. Maybe, wait, I just thought of this, for Thailand... Maybe Mickey will come back and bring the Thai team back to glory. You never know. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Um. Overall, I think these groups are pretty... Here's the thing, right? It's the first time the World Cup's going to be played on Overwatch 2. And I feel like there's a lot of unknowns because there are some definite countries which are going to get through. you got USA, Canada, um... And South Korea, China's already through, of course. So I think 
those countries are definitely going to thrive, but it'll be interesting to see what type of talent comes from the other countries. You know, it's something to definitely keep your eye on as an Overwatch fan to see where the next best Overwatch 2 player will come from. So it'll be fun. Oh, okay. So we've got the competition committees here. So each team needs a general manager, a coach, and a social lead. So that's your community manager who's responsible for the team's social media content and engagement initiatives. I really wish I could try for the Singapore position, but I, it definitely needs to be someone who's a resident or a citizen, and I am neither. So it's, that'll be tough to do. But it would have been... See, the thing is, as much as I said, oh, the upset Sri Lanka was is not going to be here, I mean, they were never going to be against <laughs> It, I can't think of too many Sri Lankans who are interested in Overwatch anymore, let alone enough to form a national team to take part in the World Cup. So I hope that future Overwatch World Cups will maybe have like a qualification process, which allows countries, national committees to form and then compete to get into this conference league. That would be pretty cool. I don't think it's going to happen, but hey, let me hold my breath and believe that that could happen. Um, one of the other reasons why I think the Overwatch World Cup came back that I just remembered is I think it's going to end up being, fingers crossed about this because I think it would be a very cool idea, is if they have an in-game event built around the World Cup. If they allowed people to earn World Cup-related cosmetics or name cards, whatever. <laughs> I can't even think of all the Overwatch 2 cosmetics. But I think that would be a really cool... It'll be a really cool in-game event to have uh, so that people from the different countries can rep their countries. Maybe we can have like a country league similar to what they had for the Battle for Olympus event where they pick... I was going to... Heroes is probably too much. Maybe they can do something fun with player icons or skins. They can do something cool. I think they should try for something cool. Um, and do like an in-game World Cup event. I think that would be a breakout of the norm. It would be something which people can definitely get behind. And it'll be a really, really fun thing to do. So stay tuned. We'll keep our eyes on the World Cup and see how it goes over the next couple of weeks. And hopefully, hopefully it goes well for everyone concerned. I think this is a good opportunity to see what Overwatch Esports can be. I think this will be a real defining factor compared to the Overwatch League this year about where the future of Overwatch Esports goes. So that's my full Esports segment done. And the next one I'm moving to is what am I playing now? So this is a section where I talk about a couple of the games that I've been playing off stream. When I stream, I just play, you know, your usual Overwatch, Valorant, but I'm also playing a few single-player games on the side. Stuff that I'm not ready to stream or record yet. But who knows? Maybe one day. So I'm only playing a couple of games right now, to be honest. Big one on my list is Forspoken. Um, put a couple of hours in. To be honest, I don't get why people are going against this game. Now, to be fair... It's not been optimized properly. For some reason, it just feels very, very choppy. But I think that's just down to poor optimization rather than the game design. 
I think the world is fine. I think the story is interesting. Frey is easily going to be one of my favorite game characters for 2023. I feel like she's very well designed. Personally, she just she just stood out a lot as a character to me and is someone who I enjoy enjoy exploring the world in Forsaken as Forspoken. I said Forsaken, <laughs> Forspoken <laughs> as uh, I've only put a couple of hours in, but it's it's been all right so far. Maybe maybe I'll put ten hours in and hate it. But as for the first couple of hours, it's been going okay so far. I've also been playing Hi-Fi Rush again. Put a couple of hours in, not gone too much into it, but also been a good game. I picked up Hitman again recently because we just had the Hitman World of Assassination update which came out just a few days ago, which finally grants access to all the DLC. They finally fixed the Hitman 3 DLC issue, which got people to buy so much extra DLC that they didn't need if they owned the previous games. A huge, huge mess that IO created has now been sorted with this latest update. And they've also added in a new mode, which I actually haven't played because I've just been running through old missions and getting to it. Hitman is weirdly a game which I when it first came out I never enjoyed and as soon as the third one came out I was like this is not bad. This is pretty good. And I'm I'm enjoying that one now as well. I picked up Monster Hunter Rise for a while, but I've dropped it again because of these other games that I'm playing which I feel like I want to give a bit more time to. Rise is a good game which has very frustrating controls to me. <laughs> That's been my always been my problem with Rise, is that I, for some reason, I keep on pressing the wrong buttons on my controller and then messing up everything and dying. So Rise is... Rise is all right. Maybe I'll pick it up again in a couple... To be honest, when I first started playing Rise again, I was like, wow, I really want to get Sunbreak now, which I think is the name of the DLC. And then I played it more and realized, okay, no, I don't. <laughs> I think I'll just wait until I finish the main game first and then maybe get Sunbreak. Also started Persona 3 Portable. As a Persona fan, which I have no shame in admitting, it's not hitting yet. <laughs> but I see why people like it. It's been all right. I can't say it's... Anywhere near Persona 4 or Persona 5. But it's a game which I've heard starts off very slow and then eventually you build yourself into it. So hopefully that happens to me. I just need to make the effort of getting through the boring bits at the beginning. Let's find out. Uh, yeah, that's my what I'm playing right now section. I'll be just giving a little bit of an update of where I am in my current set of games, which games I'm playing now, which games I've dropped, you know, just to just to put a bit of personal um, gaming insight into what I'm playing right now. <laughs> right, we've got a couple of stories to round off before we go to our final one. Um, let's talk about the Riot social engineering attack. So, this was big. This was big. This has happened now a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago, where Riot made an announcement saying that they've been hacked, 
uh, source code for League of Legends, a former um, anti-cheat system as well as TFT has been just taken away. They got a ransom from the group. I believe the group asked for something like $10 million to get the source code back. And Riot have said they're not going to pay, which is understandable. Usually in these cyber attack situations, you never pay the hacker because that just encourages them to keep going harder at you. And also, I think an update regarding the, uh, the data, I believe the hacking group is now trying to sell it to anyone who's interested at a million dollars. Why this is kind of important is because the source code of the game is the lifeblood of a game, right? It's all the inner workings. It shows all the functions that a game needs to make the game that it is. And if a cheat maker gets access to the source code of the game, it makes it a lot easier for them to create cheats for the game, create undetectable cheats for the game. So it's understandable why people are a bit concerned with this source code being released. Um, few people have been blaming Riot for this, saying that they've not been secure enough. But given what's been happening with the past few cyber attacks over the last few years, it's not a it's not a huge surprise, I would say. It's not something like, whoa, I can't believe this happened. You know, it's it is what it is. Riot and the players just need to, you know, see how they get through this one. I don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks, whether they're able to... Well, they're not going to get the source code back. It's already out there. But whether we're going to see some like high-level cheats on the market using the source code, um, will TFT and League become an even more toxic <laughs> landscape than it already is? We just have to wait and see. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, from that, let's talk about... Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite Creative 2.0, which is this big overhaul of Fortnite Creative Mode, which is going to incorporate elements of the Unreal Engine. I really think this is going to change Fortnite completely. Uh, I think Fortnite's going through a very stale period of time. They're now trying to like bring back the player base, which has ultimately, I think, abandoned the game and moved on to different things, uh, namely Genshin Impact. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Fortnite Creative 2.0 is definitely going to change things. It's going to bring the ability to, to my understanding, it allows you to bring in like your own assets to code um, unique interactions within the games. Like it's a complete, complete different system, which will allow people to create their own, truly their own experiences within Fortnite, which is something you could do with the current creative as well, but you're limited within Fortnite's, current assets and their current capability and incorporating unreal into that is just going to take it to another level this mode has been delayed a couple of times i believe it was supposed to come out last year then it was delayed to january and recently tim sweeney announced that the board is going to be delayed again to march uh, i believe he was responding to someone talking about how the board is coming soon and then he's like um actually it's not kind of coming out until later in March. So I'm still really looking forward to it. I'm really excited to see what like actual creative people can do with that mode because we've already seen some pretty cool stuff in creative. I think Legends Landing is a good example of one. I think um, 
I believe there was like an NBA themed area. Like there were so many cool concepts and ideas that came out in Creative One Point Zero, and if that's what they can do within the Fortnite system, imagine what they can do with 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 the Unreal Engine. You know, <laughs> with the Unreal Engine and Fortnite, it's going to be pretty interesting when that comes out, and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Next. We're going to talk about some Blizzard surveys which have been going out for two games. So the first one we'll talk about is Hearthstone. So there was a survey that was sent out to a couple of players regarding some future features and uh, soliciting feedback on some ideas that the devs have for the future of Hearthstone. Hearthstone is a game which I will always have like a soft spot in my heart. I don't play that much anymore, but I always want to go back and give it a try again and see how it goes, and usually it's not great, but I still want to give it. I'm I'm not completely put off by Hearthstone. It's always gonna have, again, that special place in my heart. So the fact that I see Blizzard is trying to make an effort to do better by Hearthstone is good for me to see because I can't imagine a lot of players are still playing anymore, especially with the recent changes to the esports structure. Which I haven't talked about on this podcast. Maybe it'll come up in a future episode if there's any more changes. But it's kind of sad to see the way Hearthstone esports and Hearthstone development in general is going. So hopefully, these new ideas that Blizzard's recommending is going to change that. Um, so in this Hearthstone survey that that these players got, it talked about a Hearthstone subscription, which is not a great start. Let's be honest, but it also hints at the way people see Hearthstone. It's ultimately your perception. Like, do you want to keep opening packs and getting cards, getting a random amount of cards, or do you just want to pay a monthly fee where you get access to all the cards that you want, and then build craft your own decks and just compete at the best possible capability? I think this is very good for your esports players. Esports play is definitely going to have the game completely changed by this new system, and it's definitely interesting. So here are the options that they give for the subscription system. So there's a ten dollar monthly subscription, where you get access to every standard card from one class of your choice. Uh, keep in mind all these cards are uncraftable. And they're undustable, which makes sense, right? You can't, you can't just get the subscription, dust all these cards, and then buy your own cards. Doesn't make sense. So, the ten dollar one for one class, not a good deal, right? It's just one class. Ultimately, you're not going to get very fine Hearthstone if you just play one class. You need to have a bit more of an adaptability and try different classes out to figure out where you fit in with that one. The next one is a $20 monthly subscription for all standard cards, including cards from the current expansion. $20 a month for Hearthstone cards that you don't own is a lot. <laughs> Even, okay, it's good that they have current expansion cards because I don't think a lot of these expansions do have that within them. But 20 bucks is way too much. Even for the most diehard Hearthstone player, 20 bucks subscription, I don't think that's going to fly. 
Uh, the next one is a $10 monthly subscription, which gives you all standard cards for every class, except the current expansion. I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. I think it's something I would pay for. If I was a, a hardcore Hearthstone player, I'd probably pay that 10 bucks to get all the standard cards. Then I can just build whatever deck I want. And I think it, that's worth it. Then we got a $10 monthly subscription for the top performing deck for three classes of your choice. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that one, to be honest, because here's the thing, right? A top performing deck is always good to have. And I know a lot of people definitely go on top decks, download a deck code for like the top rank one player's deck and then try and create their own deck around it but just because you have the best deck in the game doesn't mean you're going to win every game right and i think if you were paying ten dollars just to get a deck which doesn't work out for you even if it's three decks it's probably not going to be worthwhile investment so yeah, I, I'm going to say no to that. I think out of these four subscriptions, I think the best one for me was the $10 monthly, which gives you access to every standard card except the current expansion cards. I think it's a fair price. I think it's good value if you get all the cards. You may not get your current expansion cards, but over time, you know, you'll be, get, be getting access to more cards as the expansions keep rolling through. I think it's reasonable and I think it makes sense. On top of the subscriptions, they also give uh, a lot of options for different different features that they're possibly going to add to the game or just trying to see whether people are interested or not. So let's see what are these features that they're going to add in. Unique cosmetics. Cosmetics that aren't part of the traditional Warcraft universe. Example, K-pop, anime-inspired, etc. while keeping the current Hearthstone art style. Okay, Hearthstone cosmetics are interesting. I think they're talking about card backs because to me, that is really the only cosmetic that's around. They could also be talking about roll skins. I call them roll skins. They're probably not what they're called, but um, where your hero has a, you can put a unique skin on them. I think that's also one of the cosmetics which they're probably talking about. K-pop anime-inspired cosmetics in Hearthstone. Personally, I would go for it, but I can understand why people wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be too keen, especially given that it's a Warcraft-inspired game. Uh, Multi-subscription, we already went through that. Hearthstone 3D gameplay. See your heroes and minions come to life on your screen as fully realized 3D characters. Cool. I would like to see it in practice before I say yes to that. So that's a maybe. That's a maybe for me. Because it could look great. It could also just look like, oh, they just, they're there. <laughs> and that's about it. If it was like Harry Potter chess, where your your cards are actually fighting against each other, that would be cool. But I don't think that's what it's going to end up end up being if they have it. Uh, monthly subscription, we already went through that. Social group play. Create and join guilds. Connect. Play with them via special events. Group quests and competing with other guilds. That's good. I think that's very important to have. 
That was supposed to be a feature in Overwatch 2, if I'm not wrong. A guild feature was supposed to be there. It hasn't come with this new release. I wonder if it'll ever come up. But if I remember correctly, that was supposed to be a feature in Overwatch 2. So, you never know. Alternative art style cosmetics. Cosmetics that break the traditional Hearthstone art style. Example, anime, comic book, realism. Is this for cards? Mm, I'm going to say yes. I think I really like the way Marvel Snap does your alternate arts. So, for example, I think the only one I can think of is Jessica Jones because I have alternate arts of her card. You have, like, your standard comic book one and then you have, like, a pixel one, a movie one, uh, a movie one, a TV show one, and you get these different, different styles. So, I think it would be interesting. I think it would be a nice thing to have. But then... That kind of makes it sound like they're going to add in a card cosmetic if they're going to be bringing in alternate art styles. Top strategy is always evolving. Ranked play never gets old due to guaranteed bi-weekly balance changes. I think that's something they should do anyway. <laughs> I don't think that should be a feature. <laughs> I think they should like consider... Obviously, they're trying to see whether people would be interested in bi-weekly balance changes. I don't want to answer that like because I don't play enough Hearthstone, but I think it's something they should be doing anyway. <laughs> maybe not bi-weekly, maybe monthly. But yeah, something they should do. Player-to-player -player card market. Buy, sell, trade, or gift cards to others in a safe online platform. Which is kind of like something I believe Artifact was trying to do. Um, I'm going to say yes. I think that is something they should have. Uh, but I don't know how... See, the thing with P2P is, yes, on the one hand, it is a good way to, like, for players to trade cards with each other. But it can also be gamed, and, like, you could have, like, your highest level cards going for, like, $1,000. Again, I'm pretty sure they're going to have market caps and all sorts. But it's a slippery slope. But I'm going to say yes, because I think it would be cool to see it for Hearthstone. Available on console. Play Hearthstone on Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, and or Steam Deck. The Steam Deck part is pretty interesting to me. Because it kind of tells me that they might actually put Hearthstone out on the, Ninten on the Nintendo Switch. But also on the Steam Deck. On Steam. On Steam. I don't know why I said Steam Deck again. But on Steam. Um, who knows, maybe other Blizzard games will also be going to Steam as well. And then all my friends will be excited because they don't need to use Battle.net anymore. <laughs> but I'm going to say yes. I would like to see... Um, I would like definitely like to see Hearthstone on more platforms. It's just good to have more platforms have access to games so that people can play on whatever platform they choose and play with each other. That's what the, the current generation of video games should be. New mechanics. Experience new mechanics, card types, and rules that add depth and dimension to gameplay. Which is something I think Hearthstone tries to their very best to do. And it's definitely something that they should just keep doing. <laughs> Smart success metrics. Improve your decks, play, and strategies with real-time card win rate statistics, deck tracking, real-time opponent intelligence. Do you know something? I think if you're going to do a Hearthstone subscription, I think you should include that in your subscription. I think having it in regular play is a bit of a waste because some people don't really care. There are people who are casual with it and just want to play the game for the game. 
But I think if you include that in your subscription, it'll make your subscription way more worthwhile. <laughs> it'll be worth putting in the money to get all the cards, plus have metrics to help you improve as a player. And it'll really be rewarding for anyone who decides to take on a subscription. So yeah, that put it in the subscriptions. In-game live events. Join other players and friends for live mass game events that connect the global Hearthstone player base. Sure, why not? I don't really get what in-game live events mean, but that, that sounds pretty interesting and I'd look forward to that. There's a lot of features. Okay, here we go. Progressive customization. Permanently evolve card art, animations, card frames, board skins, and other visual elements as you play. I don't know what that means. <laughs> to me, it just sounds like you get to, as you play, you keep leveling up your cards, your animations, your card frames. I guess as you level up or rank up, they just get better. Which is cool. It's interesting. I guess Marvel Snap kind of has this with their card upgrades, where you can upgrade the rarity of the card and just unlock new animations and VFX to it. So... Yeah, I, I guess it could be interesting. I don't know how it'll work in practice for Hearthstone, but you never know. More frequent major refreshers. Enjoy even more frequent major content updates. More than six major updates ranked mode currently receives per year. Mm, sure, why not? <laughs> Multi-subscription already went through that. Public profiles. Show other players your progress, achievement, rank, collection, stats, and more. Yes, I think there are people who would really like to do that because we don't really have like a show of mechanic in Hearthstone other than taunting people. So that would be nice to see. An independent app for Battlegrounds, having a separate app game for the Battlegrounds game mode. I haven't taken too well to Battlegrounds as I thought I would. I, ge I generally like auto battler games, but Battlegrounds is a bit too cumbersome to me. So personally, I don't really care, but don't know how much of an audience Battlegrounds has, but I guess enough to do its own app. So maybe. Sure, why not? Create custom game modes and types. Choose from a curated list of keywords and mechanics to create custom cards and unique gameplay experiences. They're bringing the workshop from Overwatch into Hearthstone. <laughs> do you know what? I'm going to say yes, because the Overwatch workshop has created some wonderful and scary modes and... I would like to see that in Hearthstone too, so why not? <laughs> uh, Blizzard games crossover with Hearthstone play the same great game. You hear that? The same great game. But with entirely refreshed cards drawn from the Blizzard... Uh, sorry, not the Blizzard. From the Diablo, Overwatch, or StarCraft universes. I think that kind of does away with the whole Hearthstone feeling. At that point, it just becomes... Heroes of the Storm, the card game. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. The Overwatch lover in me says yes, because I would love to play like an Overwatch-related card game where you have like different characters have... It'll be Hearthstone, but Overwatch. But I don't know whether I would want to bring my Overwatch characters into the Hearthstone world, because I feel like it already has its unique characters, its unique style, its uniquely... Warcraft experience. So then you bring in like Diablo, Overwatch, and StarCraft into that. Maybe not great. That being said, I believe Diablo came up 
in I think it's Battlegrounds. So maybe a way to do it would be to bring in those characters into Battlegrounds where I don't think people would mind too much if they had like a Tracer card or a Lilith card or insert StarCraft character name here card. So yeah, okay, that's that's yeah, sure. If it's in Battlegrounds, why not? Okay, we got a couple more. Uh, let's try and blaze through. Hero customization. Choose your own hero power design from a set list. Customize your hero's visual aesthetic. Um. Yeah, I think this would be this would be good. It would be interesting to see what type of. I guess the the hero visual aesthetic is just a hero skin so that's i think a pretty normal thing that they should do hero power i guess if you could change their skin you should be able to change their power as well so yeah yeah go for it alternative card designs collect rare visually enhanced versions of your cards to bring in even more value to your collection yes i think um they could bring in like some more World of Warcraft inspired designs. I think everything in Hearthstone is uniquely Hearthstone from the Warcraft universe. So maybe they could just bring in some like designs from that game or even the old Warcraft 3 game. So yeah. Tournament mode. In-game tournaments where you compete against players around your rank for rewards and prizes. Yes, I think a lot of games should have this. I know League has this. Valorant's getting this. I wish Overwatch had this. I think Overwatch should still have this. <laughs> I think Hearthstone would also benefit from it. I think players would be... Again, especially with the way esports is going, a competitive mode like this will be very interesting, and I think a lot of people would like that. New multiplayer modes. Play alongside and against friends in 2v2, co-op games, or similar modes. Sure, why not? If you have friends who play Hearthstone, you can play 2v2 with them. <laughs> why not? New classes. Play a new hero class. Yes, I think... I think we already have pretty good hero classes in Hearthstone. We got Demon Hunter like a couple of years ago and that was a pretty big thing. So I think... I think it'll be nice to have maybe one new class every now and then. But if you make it too regular, that's just going to ruin the meta and that's just going to make the game not too great. So, sure, you can bring in some a couple new classes, but maybe not overdo it. It's not like bringing in new heroes. It's it's actually matters a lot when you bring in those new classes. So, I would say yes, but, you know, control the output. Finally, not finally, because that is the same as the first one, unique cosmetics. Okay, so we went through all those changes. Personally, I, th I like the way that they're thinking of, like, how they can completely revamp Hearthstone. A lot of these ideas would fundamentally change the game. It'll be as big as like bringing in Battlegrounds, Mercenaries, Mercenaries, which is another mode I don't really play. But it'll really, really, I think, bring back the old fan base and also maybe open up to new fans. I think people would be interested if with some of these features come in, a new audience would come into the game and keep the game thriving. It's just a matter of giving it a try, like getting this feedback, seeing what the people want, and then implementing it into your game. Easier said than done, but it's definitely something that should be done <laughs> somehow. Right. 
few more to go. Don't worry. We're nearly there. <laughs> um, also, Warcraft 3 Reforged, a game which didn't go too great at launch. Um, so Blizzard has been sending out a, a survey for this game as well, talking about some new features regarding that. I don't think we have an in-depth survey like we did have for Hearthstone, but a couple of things they asked is, how would players feel if the game was soft relaunched? Uh, this new soft relaunch would essentially bring in more features, more stability into the game. Could be interesting. I don't know. Sometimes I think Reforge went through it pretty rough to the point where I don't know how many people would be excited to see it return. But it's it's good that Blizzard's thinking of trying to breathe some life back into this game. A couple of features that they're talking about bringing in is ranked play, clans, leaderboards, also some new stuff such as uh, in-game art updates, improvements to the campaign, storage size reduction. Uh, so there's a lot of things that Blizzard are looking at doing with Warcraft 3 Reforged. To me, when I played that game, it was definitely not... It was not obviously not the game that... It's not the same as the game we had previously. It's not gotten better. And I was going to say it's not gotten worse, but I guess it would have gotten worse, right? That's why people don't like it. Ultimately, it's good. It's good that Blizzard's trying. Will it work out for them? I do not know. <laughs> I do not know. Finally, let's talk about our final story for today. Talking about the Blizzard surveys actually leads very well into this story. Because we're going to talk about Blizzard games leaving China. Blizzard fans in China can no longer play World of Warcraft, Hearthstone or Overwatch as their partnership with NetEase officially comes to an end. So, last year, in November, Blizzard announced that they'll be ending their partnership with NetEase after 14 years in China, and ultimately, they will not be able to run any of their games for Chinese players, because in China, if you want to play a game, you need to be partnered with the local company, and if you don't have that local partner anymore, you're not allowed to offer any online services or games in the country. Uh, the fallout from this has been very interesting. Uh, I think NetEase and Blizzard have really been going at each other. There was this story, and I think there was a live stream of uh, people at the NetEase office destroying Blizzard. They destroyed a statue. They destroyed different Blizzard merchandise. It was very ugly. It was not a it was not a good sign. I think NetEase, the CEO, has said, you know, Blizzard is mistreating them and like trying to undersell them and doing all sorts of things. Blizzard is saying that NetEase is not cooperating with them and it's ultimately just become a very sad ending, which at the end of the day affects the players, right? It affects the people who have been playing the game for the past fourteen years. You know, you had World of Warcraft players who have probably been invested since the game came out fourteen years ago. You have Overwatch players who cannot play the game anymore and Hearthstone players who have sunk money into packs that can't access their card collections anymore. Now, to their credit, Blizzard did say that they are looking for alternative partners to continue their service in China and that Chinese players' data will be saved so that when they start their next partnership, they'll have continued access to all content that they were previously able to access 
it's still not great. It's not fantastic that they've decided ultimately to do this. Who's at fault here? It's very hard to say. It's easy to point fingers at saying Blizzard was greedy, but ultimately we, we don't know what has been going on with NetEase as well. There was a bit of uncertainty uh, around Blizzard mobile game releases. Diablo Immortal aside, I believe there was even talks of launching a World of Warcraft mobile game with NetEase, and that ultimately project end up, ended up being scrapped due to some issues regarding monetization, if I'm not wrong. And it's been a tense relationship to our understanding over the past over the past few months. So we don't know what's going to happen next for Blizzard in China. Hopefully they are able to find a new partnership with some company. Maybe it might be Tencent. Although there is talks that Tencent is trying to take advantage of the situation by trialing a MMORPG similar to World of Warcraft, which is interesting. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's it's ultimately very very sad for all the I feel for all the Chinese people, players who aren't able to play their favorite Blizzard games anymore. It's just a very sad reality that um, that these players need to go through, and this is what I was talking about earlier with China being given a spot at the World Cup. That's a very good decision that Blizzard made. Um, obviously Chinese players won't be able to practice in China, so they'll be curious to see how they'll be preparing themselves going up to the Overwatch World Cup, even though they already have a slot and are good to go. But another concern that a lot of Overwatch fans has is how does this affect the Overwatch League? Because as some fans will know, we have four Chinese teams, right? We have the Shanghai Dragons, the Spark, Charge, and the Chengdu Hunters. I didn't pronounce <laughs> the Spark in Charge's uh, City Daves because I don't know how to pronounce them and I don't want to screw myself over with that one. Uh, those teams, their social media accounts have been saying goodbye, see you again. We don't know what's going to happen to those teams because their players just don't have access to the game. Will they have to recruit from outside China? Will they even still be able to operate the league from China? It's... Very curious to see what will happen to the league. In fact, I think the league had to change the date of their lock-in period. It was supposed to end in January, but now it's been moved to March as they try to figure out what to do with these teams. And it's just a very confusing situation, I can imagine, for all the fans, for all the team managers and owners. And I think it's funny to note that I believe, if I'm not wrong, Netties actually owns one of the Overwatch League teams. I can't remember which team they own, um, but I think they still maintain ownership of one of the Overwatch League teams. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it's a time of change for the Overwatch League. I do want to go a bit more in-depth on the Overwatch League as a whole because to me, with Overwatch 2, there was an opportunity there to really revamp and restructure Overwatch esports as a whole. And it just didn't happen. So I feel like this is presenting itself with another opportunity. Can we, you know, change the system? Can we really change the game, as Game Changers teams say? Can we build something new for our players, for our fans? Can we really make something of ourselves? And I don't know. I don't know whether Blizzard is able to do this or what's going to happen. We just have to wait and see. 
Anyway, that has been episode one of the Flexin podcast. Let me know um, how you feel about the first episode. I dragged on a little bit longer than I expected to. We had a lot of stuff to talk about, but I still hope you enjoyed. To all those who made it all the way to the end, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'm still working on the schedule, but I want to keep this semi-regular. At the very least, twice a week, if not once a week. Twice a week, sorry. Once every two weeks, my bad. Or once a week. Uh, or once a week. I've just been messing up my words. I've been talking for an hour and a half. Anyway, thank you all for everyone who's listening. This has been me, Xenoflex, on the Flexin Podcast, and I will see you next time. Take care and have a good one.